Welcome to the MPTA Show. I'm your host, Eric Saltomingo, and joining me today is Joseph Griffa, Manager at Hamilton Prosthetics and Orthotics in London, Ontario. With a background in industrial and quality specification assurance, Joseph leads a team of technicians to design and fabricate the prosthetic and orthotic devices for their clients. His duties also bridge into the front office, where he manages clients' funding applications. So welcome to the show, Joseph, and thank you for being here. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me on your show. So Ontario's ADP program is probably the most confusing or overwhelming as far as funding goes, and also probably the most, like I said, daunting, overwhelming for a patient specifically uh, when they're trying to you know, recover in hospital. What exactly is ADP? And uh, can maybe tell us a little bit about that and how it works. Okay. So uh, Assistive Devices Program, ADP, um, it's a provincial healthcare program. They help people with physical disabilities uh, with funding for customized equipment. Uh, there's a large range of items that they that they would would help cover. Um, obviously, today we're talking specifically uh, prosthetics, but uh, yeah. So long list. Uh, if people wanted to find out exact details, they just go to the website. Um, and see uh, see the list there. So yeah, so to qualify for the program, candidate would have to be a Canadian citizen, have an Ontario health card, and they must have a disability that's going to require them to have equipment uh, or supplies for six months or longer. Um, so so yeah, a little bit of a background of the ADP program. So let's say I'm I'm in recovering in the hospital, and you know again you're recovering, you're trying to worry about yourself. And then the, the word ADP gets tossed to you. Do I need a prescription to get ADP funding? Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, so yeah, so usually um, from from our our experience in London, the way our clinic model works is uh, we have new amputees that are seen through a regional rehabilitation program at uh, Parkwood Hospital. Uh, so you would, you know, the amputee, as the amputee, you would, you would go to a clinic appointment, uh, you would meet with everybody, uh, they would assess your ability, I guess, to live life with a prosthesis. Uh, once you're deemed, let's say, a candidate, then uh, you would see a prosthetist, um, and they would have the prescription written by the physiatrist, and they would decide, you know, what style of prosthesis to make you, what kind of uh, components would best suit your lifestyle. Um, and of course, it would all have to fit uh, within, you know, their their budget or if uh, how however we're going to fund the prosthesis. Um, so in order for somebody to get a prescription through assistive devices program or to get funding through assistive devices program, they have to number one, be seen through uh, an ADP authorized clinic, uh, which is like the re regional rehabilitation hospital that would be considered an ADP authorized clinic. And then uh, as a prosthetist, you have to be certified um, and registered as a company as a, an ADP vendor. So you can't just go to your family doctor and have your family doctor write a prescription for, uh, you know, a prosthesis, right? Um, the only exception with that is, you know, after you've had your initial assessment, we'll say with the rehabilitation hospital and, and you're, let's say, on a workman's comp claim, if you needed supplies in the future or prostheses in the future, then you, you would be able to get a prescription through your family doctor. However, you don't the funding doesn't go through ADP anyways. That would be the difference and uh, the only time that you kind of wouldn't need to go to an ADP authorized clinic. 
I think there's a confusion when it comes to ADP funding and the amount of times ADP funding covers you. How often can somebody get ADP funding? So as a new amputee, uh, ADP will typically fund up to three temporary prosthetic sockets within your first year. Uh, the reason for that is as you're going through your rehabilitation and gait training, uh, your stump will shrink and mature in size within the first year. Usually after a year, uh, you know, it, it, would, it would be deemed that your stump is stable enough to uh, wear a, a definitive prosthetic, they call it, prosthetic socket. Uh, so, you know, after your one year, you get your first definitive prosthetic socket then you're eligible through ADP once every three years for a complete new prosthesis. Again, there's a lot of exceptions with that too. So for example, if you've had a change in medical condition, such as, uh, you know, atrophy. So let's say you lose 20 pounds, uh, your limb, you know, has, has, has shrunk down, does not fit in the socket anymore. You would be eligible to receive ADP funding to have a replacement socket. As far as uh, the foot, ankle, shin, uh, knee components, uh, you're eligible once every three years from the first time that you have purchased it or the, your first authorization date. So essentially when you get your first temporary pr prosthetic socket. So I think there's a lot of fears. I, anyway, what I hear from amputees about, they think that the first socket they get on their first year is it and that it will not, you know, when processes talk to them about that, you know, how we get, the, like you said, the temporary check socket in the beginning and then another one after that. And then the last one or your final socket. I think there's a fear about the first one that they get or the second one thing that is it, that is it for them as far as funding goes. And then when the final air quotes socket arrives, that it's out of pocket. There's no truth that is, to that, uh, is there? Or? There is no truth to that. that I, I've heard that misconception before too. Um, and I don't know if it's like we, you know, we really try to explain the process in detail as much as possible because we want people to be financially uh, ready for, you know, this, this having to having a prosthesis. It's not, you know, it's not cheap. Um, and if you don't have any extra coverage, uh, you know, it, it could be a, a large expense um, and a financial burden for you. Uh, so, we always really try to explain to people the whole process, what to expect. And we would even give them like a, a sheet saying, you know, this is what X cost. This was, this is what X cost. This is what X cost. This is what, what to expect in your first year kind of thing. Um, right. But yeah, like uh, the misconception too, like that after they get their de definitive socket, that that's it. And then they're never followed up again too. Um, that is a common question that we get, you know, when people get their socket, they said, okay, well, I guess, you know, uh, I'll see, I'll, I, I don't know when the next time I'll see you is right. So it's important to always follow up with your prosthetist too, and, and have a rapport. Usually you'll have follow-up appointments at the, uh, amputee clinic anyways. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's really important for people. Yeah, to I think that. it, yeah, I think it's the term final socket. You know, when I do peer support or I lead peer support groups, when they hear the final term, then they come and ask, is that really my only, like, that's my final final, right? Because the term final is like, and then that's it, and that they can't get funding anymore moving forward. So so that's really good to, to understand that it isn't final. And then, like you said, it's every three years after that, correct? 
unless sure. there's a medical reason where you needed to your point earlier, you know, you've atrophied or weight gain or weight loss, or whatever that may be, that would um, justify a new socket. Now, there's one thing to like uh, an exception that I kind of want to bring up is so, for example, if you are on your first definitive socket, let's say you've been wearing your definitive socket for uh, six months and then uh, you need a revision surgery to your stump. <clears throat> you're actually once you have the revision surgery, you can you can start from a first temporary socket again through ADP. ADP will fund temporary sockets to kind of guide you through that transition between post amputation and your stump being mature enough to handle a definitive socket. Right. So the other one that is confusing, I think, for many patients are or yeah, especially new patients, is the 75% coverage of ADP. So ADP says on their website, we cover 75% of your cost. And there's a lot of confusion when that comes out. Let's just for roundup numbers that the prosthetic total cost is 10 grand. That doesn't mean that the that ADP will cover $7,500 of that $10,000 cost. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, so uh, it is... It could be worded better. You're right. It, it is, you know, slightly misleading to make, you know, to people may believe that they will only have to pay 25% of the overall cost. However, uh, when you go into the billing codes through ADP, <clears throat> they each code has a maximum. So uh, anything that's not in the ADP manual that you may require for your prosthesis number one would be 100% out of pocket or uh, like, for example, foot, ankle, shin uh, or foot, ankle, shank, that code has a maximum amount that they pay. So they'll say the maximum that we pay is X dollar, let's say $10. Okay. Or, mm -hmm. and, and the most they're going to pay is, is seven fifty of that $10. So then anything above that $10 that that foot, ankle and shin cost. And, and, you know, the price of feet, like the sky is the limit. It's just depending on your, what you need and, and what would be best for you. But, you know, that portion could be, uh, you know, three, four times the ADP maximum on top of the, you know, what their, their 75% maximum is. So it's uh, yeah. So the, the components and the supplements uh, all have a maximum price that ADP is willing to pay up to. And then anything beyond that would be the responsibility of the client. Now, what about combination with your private insurance, if you have insurance? Okay. So Does it work the same you, way? Yeah, it would, it would, the cost would, would be the exact same. So uh, instead of you paying the private, you know, your, your, your client portion out of your own pocket, uh, then, you know, you may have to pay it up front, but then you, you, the provider usually will submit uh, an estimate and a claim through your insurance company. So you're reimbursed for that, the amount that you're out of pocket. So do you prefer, or what's your best recommendation, I guess, or best practice, if you will, that, you know, we pay out of pocket at the beginning. And I've done that as well. You, you, pay, your pocket, uh, you pay out of pocket at the beginning for the 50% or whatever the, the agreement that you and your prosthetist have. Then do you guys submit to the provider or do you want the patient to continue submitting to the provider? What's the best uh, okay. practice? So 
the ideal situation and only a few insurance companies will do it will they will work directly with the provider so if a, uh, uh, you know somebody comes in for a leg uh, then we literally have uh, verbal approval over the phone saying yes this item is covered under their plan um, we will we agree that we will pay x amount of dollars for this item so essentially we make the processes for the client and then we submit an invoice to the insurance company and then the insurance company pays us directly. That way it takes the financial burden off of the, the client <clears throat> and it's just, it's quicker and easier to do it that way because uh, you know, you're guaranteed, you know, your, your payment number one. And uh, it's just, it makes things a lot easier in the back end, we'll say. Um, you know, for example, if somebody has really good insurance and they want like a really expensive leg, they may have a client portion of, let's say $10,000, right? So mm -hmm. not everybody has access to $10,000 that they can just, you know, pull out of their pocket and say, Hey, here, this is my payment for the prosthesis. And then we, you know, would give them the paperwork to submit for a claim to be reimbursed. And that takes uh, time too. It does. Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes it takes, you know, over a month to, to see that money back. And, um, you know, if somebody puts it on their credit card and, you know, they're collecting interest and it's just, it's not a great situation. It would be really nice if there was some kind of a uniform system across the board with uh, insurance companies where they had agreements with the providers that, uh, you know, they would be willing to work directly with us because, it uh, just makes it easier for the patient. So absolutely. I think I agree with that. <laughs> Not having <laughs> yeah. to worry about, you know, again, I'm just thinking back to my experience was that, you know, you're in bed and you're trying to recover and then they're like, okay, we're going to make your prosthetic, your prosthesis. And you get a quote. It says, Oh, you had to pay the first 50% of that. And you're like, what, what, where do I get? To? <laughs> And of course, there are other payment combinations, and I'd like to talk to you more about that. But before we get to that, I want to go back to the every three years, because I think there's also confusion on this. And I think different amputees say different things when other amputees talk to them as well. My experience with it every three years is that I can also get new feet every three years. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. So from the authorization date of your first temporary prosthesis, so your process on the ADP application form, there's a section where your prosthetist has to fill out uh, the day that uh, they authorize uh, your prosthesis. So that date is for three years from that day, you're eligible to have a uh, new foot, new shin, and a, a complete new prosthesis if you've only had that one throughout the whole, uh, the whole duration. And is that same application or does that same idea works the same for hands or upper limb prosthesis? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Okay. I don't know if we can talk about microprocessor, but I know a lot of people have confusions about, maybe not even go as far as microprocessor, but knees. So mm -hmm. there's, I believe, a fine print where it says you're only allowed one knee for a lifetime. No. Okay. No, it's, it's the same. Anything that's listed under the... Uh, in the ADP manual, if it's if it's under the section of components, uh, so components meaning silicone, uh, either suction liner or locking liner, uh, your shank cover, your foot, ankle, shin, your ankle, uh, 
mm-hmm. your your knee, your thigh, all of those items, like any of the ball, like the big, like the, I would just say anatomical joint and any joints, like yeah. a knee, a, a knee, a foot, a shin, a thigh, like all of that is once every three years. And, uh, and I'm going to assume that that's the same for like a body power, for example. Hands. Yeah. Hands. Yes. Yeah. So it's different with upper yeah. extremity because if you, when you change, when you change your, your socket, you usually the socket is laminated into the forearm. So in most cases anyways, uh, so then you would have to basically change from your wrist all the way up and then mm-hmm. the hand would just, re- the hand would remain. Okay. If a veteran, or if I'm a veteran, do I qualify for ADP? Uh, so with veteran, yeah. So veterans is kind of, um, it, it works a little bit differently with them. So if you're a group, let me just double check the, I think it's group. Yeah. If you're a group A veteran, you do not qualify for ADP. So your prosthesis would go hundred percent through Veterans Affairs Canada. If you're categorized as a different group, then your prosthesis will go through ADP. And then the remaining portion may be covered through other funding avenues. Okay. And so there's a little bit more combinations that could happen with the veteran. I mean, obviously yeah. they have coverage with, uh, with the uh, veteran services. So, so usually if be- they're not a group A, they, they, they would fall under a different, uh, they have like a separate uh, private healthcare plan through one of the bigger insurance companies. Um, and right. they would be covered, uh, a percentage would be covered through that. Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's good to hear that yeah. there's, you know, that they have coverage. I've always known that veterans have a better coverage when it comes to prosthetic funding anyway. So, so that's really good to hear. So let's talk about what's actually covered. Um, what's a typical cost for, or what's a typical cost involved with having a prosthesis? Uh, the price for a prosthesis can range drastically. And uh, I can't really give you a definitive answer. I can kind of give you a very general outline of, of the cost for prostheses. Um, but uh, it just, you know, it, it varies from person to person, depending on what the prescription is, what, what kind of suspension you have, what kind of foot you have. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, maybe like a general guideline for a basic uh, prosthetic setup. So um, also uh, a big factor is the level of amputation. So if you're above the knee, if you're amputated above the knee, obviously the cost is gonna be more because there's more moving parts within that prosthesis. Uh, Typically a basic below the knee temporary prosthesis, uh, the client portion can range from, we'll say a thousand to 2,500, depending on what style of foot and components are chosen. You know, for a more advanced prosthetic setup, the cost is obviously going to be significantly more. Um, that's also deducting if you qualify for a WARAMPS grant of $1,000. So if you do not qualify for that grant, it would be $1,000 more than uh, those numbers. So for a replacement socket, so let's say you shrink out of your first temporary socket and you need another socket because your you know your limb is shrunk down and you need a better fit. Uh, the cost can range from seven hundred and fifty to fifteen hundred. So for a basic above the knee temporary prosthesis, uh, the client portion can range, let's say, from fifteen hundred to thirty five hundred. And again, that's including the one thousand dollar charity grant from Waramps. 
so yeah, so a, a temporary replacement socket for a buff knee can range, we'll say, uh, you know, a thousand to two thousand of a client portion. For a temporary replacement socket for above the knee, the cost can range from one thousand to two thousand dollars. So now we'll get into a definitive socket. So your first definitive socket or final socket, uh, your cost, your client cost, again can range from you know let's say one thousand to three thousand. And for an above the knee, it can range from, let's say, 2000 to 4000 Again, that's, that's also including the deduction of the $1,000 grant from WarAmps if you're eligible for it. Right. So we were just talking about in the break, we were talking about the cost, the, the status of cost or the movement of cost. I'm going to find a better word for that from your check socket to your final one. Um, and I always have to explain it to people or I should always have to explain to new amputees about why their, their initial cost is so much more expensive than their final cost. And a lot of the times I get, I guess, an argument or, or ask about why if they already paid the an amount in the beginning, why are they still paying for the second one and the definitive socket at the end? So maybe can you explain that process or that yeah. steps in the, in, in the cost? Some people do have the consent. They, they have the, the idea that the first time that they pay for their first preparatory prosthesis, temporary prosthesis, that cost includes the whole uh, process leading up to your definitive prosthetic. So that, yeah, that's definitely, it's not true. So your first cost is going to be the most expensive because you're buying parts such as your foot, your knee and your shin and your thigh. Those components are going to be transferred from temporary socket to temporary socket, and then transferred onto your definitive socket when you at the end receive that. So as you kind of, you know, progress into a definitive socket, the costs are going to be lower for your second temporary, third temporary, and then finally your definitive socket. Right. And then going back to, for the foot part anyway, um, <laughs> does the, do we follow, do we follow key levels at all for feet? I mean, well, it just, it depends, right? That's kind of, I mean, it, you would categorize somebody by a K level. Let's say right. when you're choosing the style of foot that, that you think they're going to be, that's going to benefit their life lifestyle the most. Mm -hmm. Right. So for example, someone like yourself, you know, you're young, you're active, you know, somebody would categorize you as a K3, K4 prosthetic user, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, so you would get a foot that suits that, that type of activity level. If I put you on, you know, if, if, if a prosthetist put you on a, um, a single axis uh, or, or a satch foot, you know, you'd probably break it. And, and you would probably hate it. So um, as far as I don't really, I don't know, clinically, I don't know enough to say that we follow it or we don't follow it. But I, I right. sometimes like some people may categorize people as, uh, you know, right. But from a funding perspective, does ADP funding changes on that? Oh, I see. It's kind of where I'm getting at. No, no. It's one one set price and that's it. Yeah. So regardless of doesn't uh, where you are activity wise, it doesn't matter. Does uh, not matter. The ADP has a funding that says we're only going to pay this much for a foot, and then or you know whatever. Kind that of to what correct. you explained before, you know, if I'm buying a ten thousand dollar foot, for example, or hundred thousand dollar ankle, like microprocessor ankle, ADP will say, okay, well our pricing on that code is only up to two thousand dollars. I'm making up some numbers. 
just yeah. for clar everyone's clarity is that no i'm going to pay you 75 percent of that two thousand, and not mm -hmm. because of your activity is so amazing that you could get this foot i'm not going to pay for that foot i guess is where i'm getting at i i understand your question now and the, yeah like i said there is one set price and that is just the catalog price and that's it yeah there's no variation in price but i mean i could see how it may be beneficial if there was oh absolutely i think if we're setting yeah. up patience for success exactly right, um and you want people to be active again so i always equate getting the proper prosthesis um, and advocating for getting the, the proper prosthesis so that in the long-term cost of healthcare, I think it's cheaper if we put the upfront cost to get that person active. I don't know, I could be delusional in that, but just knowing my situation, I became more active after my amputation and continued to be active. And therefore I don't have as much of um, comorbidities or other health issues. So again, to me, the initial cost of us spending or ADP helping spend to spend money at that initial cost, I think would be better for the patient. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Your point of, you know, people like other health issues, um, I mean, it's just you're 100% you're right on that. Uh, it's also, it's a state, uh, it's a state of mind where if you're limited to, only doing certain activities and you're not driven to go more or go farther, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're, you're stuck. Like you said, right. You know, you, you have mental health issues, uh, stuff mm -hmm. like that may, may happen. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I just, that, that's actually a great, great point, Todd. I have to say that something for you to advocate. Oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah. I have every day. Um, I want to go back to um, something that you said uh, about selecting a foot. But so let's yeah. say half year on your process for the year, you go, you know what? I, um, I think I'm better off on this foot. I'd like to return this foot that I have now, get the new one. Will ADP cover that as some kind of a, an exchange of return? Uh, no, because once the foot would be, it, it all has to do with the manufacturer's warranty. So a lot of, I, I would say most feet have like a 30 day, you know, guaranteed. It's really hard to gauge off of 30 days though, if you like the foot or don't like the foot. But, you know, if you, let's say you've, you've had the, the foot for six months, you know, as a, a company or like the hospital, for example, if you give that back to them, it's used, the warranty is voided. They can't use it on anyone else. So it would, it would be a hundred percent cost to the patient if they wanted a completely different foot along right. with potentially like transfer fees to transfer your alignment and put the new foot on and all this other stuff so adp wouldn't cover any of that and as and that i guess that same goes for for people listening who are or baloney amputees going from a suction socket for example or suction setup to a pin and then changing your mind later about that adp will not cover that new setup for a completely different leg like that, would they? Uh, the only time they would cover it is if there is a change in medical condition, like shrinkage or growth. Right. If okay. if that ha if that happened, then then yes, that would have to uh, essentially the 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 company providing the prosthesis would have to basically eat the cost. Right. Or if you if you had some kind of uh, extended insurance, then maybe you can apply for funding through that. However, most insurances, if ADP 
isn't paying anything, then they may not they they may not pay anything. They want to see that the provincial uh, program is paying before they pay their their portion. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of patients who wait to buy their feet because of the the way ADP funds? No, actually, no. We usually. Um, unless somebody has a specific foot that they want, I'd say that most patients would take the recommendation from the team uh, at the, at the amputee clinic. And, uh, and then they would get a foot based on, you know, their K level, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) Now, if an amputee changes, Mm -hmm. like, let's say they get uh, like a mid range, you know, half decent multi-axial foot to start off with, they learn how to walk with that. And then, you know, after their three year mark, they're saying, Hey, you know, I want to try something a little bit different. I want to, uh, I'm walking more, I'm going for jogs, you know, this foot's just not keeping up with me. That's the time when we would have, have a talk with them and say, Hey, listen, you know, these are some different options. This is what you, you this is what you can have. These are the benefits of this. Um, and then that's kind of when, uh, we would, you know, the, it, they, we would put the decision more into their hands, right. Because they, they want it so right like they they figured yeah. out i guess i mean in three years time you figured out how to work with your feet how to work with your socket right how to work with your prosthetics at that point so you you may discover that oh you wanted to go back to swimming or you didn't realize that you because you were swimmer before now you want a foot that is water friendly or you know or, or good for water so then that three year happens and then so you can advance to or you can move over to a more advanced foot for lack of a better term and so mm-hmm. that coverage, again, will start as if you're a new amputee at that point, right, through ADB. Correct. So let's say you got into like jogging or more athletic things. What about recreational feet? Does ADB cover any of that? Uh, recreational feet, that, like, you know, your swim foot, your, your running blade, any of those things. Well, the way ADP looks at it is a foot is a foot, right? So if you categorize a, a complete prosthesis as, let's say, a recreational prosthesis that you're going to use to work out um, or you're going to go and swim with it, if, you, if, if the provider categorizes that, ADP will not fund it. ADP only funds conventional limb prostheses. They, they won't fund you know, anything that's going to be activity specific, we'll say. Right. So that will be like an out-of-pocket cost. It can be, yes. Yeah. Are there other funding available for prosthesis? Uh, yeah, there's uh, multiple funding avenues, <clears throat> depending on your your situation. Uh, so there's the Workman's Comp Board, the WSIB. So if you're involved in a workplace injury, um, you wouldn't qualify for ADP. Um, but the cost of your prosthesis and all associated, you know, supplies and everything would go through the WSIB. Uh, there's, uh, the provincial and municipal social assistance, uh, such as Ontario works, uh, discretionary benefits, um, the provincial program, ODSP, uh, again, social assistance, uh, of course, private insurance. Um, so there's assistance for children with severe disabilities, ACSD. That's another social uh, program. Uh, the federal programs, so non-insured health benefits. Uh, so that's for First Nations and Inuit uh, people. And uh, for new immigrants, uh, they don't qualify for ADP because they don't have a whole hip number. 
Um, there's a program called the Interim Federal Healthcare Program. And again, that's through the federal government. That's, they cover their costs uh, for up to a year until they get permanent residency and an uh, OHIP card. Uh, Veterans Affairs Canada, which we brief, briefly touched on earlier. Um, the War Amps. So uh, War Amps has a couple different programs for funding. <clears throat> um, so if you're a child that is uh, that has suffered limb loss, then you can apply for a program called the CHAMP program. So the Child Amputee Program. Uh, they co cover all costs uh, associated with uh, prostheses. Um, the war amps will fund uh, recreational prostheses for children uh, who are in the CHAMPS program and adults who have graduated from the CHAMPS program to the adult CHAMP program. Um, I was going to say there's uh, Kiwanis, there's, uh, you know, some, uh, let's say, social clubs, uh, Kiwanis, uh, Lions Club, Rotary Club. And then, of course, there's, you know, crowdfunding, uh, GoFundMe, something like that. So um, a lot mm -hmm. of different, yeah, a lot of different ways that the processes could be funded. Actually, first of all, I didn't realize that there's all about that much funding that is available. Because I, again, I don't think that it's talked about often or, or those options are given to patients. So, so thank you for that. But yeah. um, I think automatically people go to GoFundMe pages and try to get it funded that way um, if there's those different resources. So then the other one is that you brought up was the war amps. So I didn't realize that if you're champ or in the champ program that you become an adult, that that continues. I thought it stopped um, when you turn 18, you're no longer covered under that program. No, uh, they, the coverage uh, will continue. Uh, you become a CHAMP adult, so you're just categorized in a different program. Okay, and is that program, so then there's also the adult war amps program, um, where yes. we talked about earlier that you get a maximum of $1,000, right? Correct. Is that the standard? Because I've also heard different conversations where war amps may fund more than $1,000 on your, on your prosthesis costs. <clears throat> So they have a special request form, if you will. So if somebody is, uh, let's say they, they have zero extra, extra help, extra money, WARAMPS so does, does have a special request that uh, the patient would have to fill out explaining their financial situation, um, explaining how uh, they don't have any extra funding such as insurance or social assistance or anything. Um, and just a general explanation on why right. they need the extra funding. Uh, and they can apply for more than, than that $1,000. Um, we, we haven't done it a lot. We have done it in the past, but uh, we try, you know, unless the person is extremely desperate and there's no other means of funding, that would be the only time that, that uh, we would, we would tr go that route just because right. WARAMPS is a charity, right? Right. And I think that's one thing I wanted to make clear because, again, just clarity on the confusion, because I've heard this from other amputees and I've tried to explain it. And I said, no, if you are getting funding, another form of funding on top of your ADP funding, it's not added to the war. Like warms can't add to that. And then I'm probably not explaining that. So there's the first portion of ADP. And then what they want to do is they say, OK, well, if I get ODSP to pay just a little bit minus a thousand dollars of warms. And I said, you can't really combine those three things. Like Warrants is a charity that if you're getting funding from somewhere else, you're best to give that back up. And it's not like your process will apply that because 
you're getting full funding from someone else. So that's yeah. taking in, you know what I mean? So maybe, perhaps maybe clarify that a little bit. Okay, so if, for example, if somebody is getting funding from ODSP, uh, you know, war amps, they shouldn't apply to war amps because ODSP will, you know, pay pay the, the client portion. Uh, there shouldn't be no less, you know, less $1,000. Um, now, if somebody has private insurance, for example, and their plan covers 80% of the overall cost, then war amps, let's say your remaining client portion after the 80% is $2,000. War amps, with proof of your insurance coverage, war amps will cover up to $1,000 of that remaining client portion. But you have to show you know, proof of how much your insurance covered. They want to see the statement that, that was paid and, and, and everything. So, um, you know, you can't just make it up. <laughs> everything has to be uh, backed up. So we talked about Ontario, or you briefly talked about Ontario Works and Ontario Disabilities. So if you're on those programs. Uh, yeah. So if you're on those programs, then you get 100% of the ADP maximum. If you're not on those programs, you get 75% of the ADP maximum coverage through ADP. You would have to apply to a discretionary, a municipal discretionary program. And it just depends on the municipality that you live in for that specific program. Some have different, uh, different guidelines or some have, you know, uh, maximum amounts that they'll contribute towards medical items. Uh, mm. some, some will pay for the whole thing. So it, it just, it really, it really varies. Uh, if you're on ODSP, then, then in most cases, right. ODSP may pay hundred percent of the client portion. Um, that's above and beyond the ADP maximum. Right. Have we covered everything you think on ADP? Yeah, I, I, I think, I think so. I mean, all of the, the facts, all of the information is, is on the website. So it's free for anybody to read. Um, if anyone ever had any questions, I mean, they can feel free to reach out to you or even reach out to me. Um, you could find my email through our website. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's, that's pretty good. Is there anything else you'd like to say for our, uh, our, our listeners? Any actual last final tips? Uh, final tips is uh, do, I would say for a new, as a new amputee, I would do as much research as possible. Um, find, find the, the right prosthetist, the right program, and, uh, you know, the right uh, prosthesis uh, that you think is going to suit you the best. And I would always advocate for yourself. You know, if, if, if someone's telling you something and you don't agree with it, um, you know, you, you always want to have your best interests uh, put forward. Awesome. And where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can look at our website, hamiltonprosthetics.ca. Uh, we're on Instagram at Hamilton underscore prosthetics and on Facebook uh, at Hamilton Prosthetics. Uh, feel free to give me a call or email and uh, I, I'm more than happy to answer any questions or concerns you have. That's awesome. This is certainly a lot of information and I hope that we were able to break some of it down for you. Uh, remember that you should always ask your prosthetist about the different funding options available to you when talking to them about your prosthesis. Understand your options and make the decision that makes the most sense. I want to thank Joseph Griffith of Hamilton Prosthetics and Orthotics in London, Ontario for joining me today. 
I'll share all the links on my website at www.aristotelina.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The MTO Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and this has been The MTO Show Podcast.